controversial book of the Bible because no one can interpret and understand exact meanings of numbers, signs, symbols, prophecies, and events recorded and demonstrated in the book. There are significant numbers of Christians who eagerly want to read Revelation and fervently study it because they want to know what will happen toward the last day on earth. There are also almost the same numbers of people who, if at all possible, avoid Revelation because it is too confusing and hard to understand. I was one of them. Then I can't believe I'm actually preaching on Revelation. Nevertheless, Revelation ends on a note of great triumph. It finished with a great victory. Evidently, out of all the bad news argued here, good news, spectacular good, spectacular good news emerged to those who believe. Revelation becomes a book not to, uh, uh, not a book not of a fear, but of hope, not of destruction, but of restoration, not of eternal death but of life in eternity. Having said that, we will start the key subject of today's passage, that is heaven. We all want to go to heaven, don't we? Do you want to go to heaven? Of course you do. What a silly question I'm asking at the moment. Of course you do. And you think Everyone would want to. But not everyone does for a lot of different reasons. Some think heaven is too boring. For instance, I'm sure that you heard this person's name, Mark Twain, the author of Adventures of Huckleberry Finn and the Adventures of Tom Sawyer. If a boy is there, you read the book. I read Tom Sawyer was one of my heroes when I was a primary school kid. And Mark actually rejected any real interest in heaven by saying all a body would have to do was to go around all day along with harp and singing forever and ever. He thought praising God, singing in the heavenly kingdom is too boring. How can he argue that singing and praising God's glory and holiness day and night is boring? What we will do in heaven is not compulsory national service or something we must do, otherwise we will be kicked out. It is indeed what we voluntarily do and something we are absolutely happy to do. It is what we are called to do. We will 
extremely overwhelmed by what God has done and prepared for us, then we naturally sing and praise God and His holiness in heaven. Think about this. If you won $10 million jackpot, I have no doubt that you will be singing, dancing, and having party all day long. If I won the jackpot, even $1 million, I will do that. I will invite you, all of you. Why not then? Are we singing and praising all day long because of God's uh, incomparable treasures, amazing treasures in heaven? Again, by and large, young people sometimes deny, or younger generation sometimes denies any interest in heaven for the same reason. They tend to think they will live forever here on earth. As far as I am concerned, people in Australia, a lucky country, tend to believe that they are already in paradise. So they don't think and they don't need to think about the future, especially heaven and life after death. The fact is that wise folk think about heaven sooner rather than later. Life has no guarantee. On the other hand, we accept by faith the reality of a heaven and of course hell also. But it is difficult to, to imagine what heaven must be like. The Bible only gives us hints at what heaven is like. Truly, heaven is a real place and the reality will exceed all image and symbols. Heaven is real. The Apostle Paul was given a vision of heaven, but words failed him. Human language has human languages have limit uh, limitations and are just not adequate to describe what God has prepared for His people. So He said in one Corinthians chapter two and verse nine, "No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what." God has prepared for those who love him. All Paul could say was that he experienced things so astounding that they cannot be told. It is beyond our word. It is beyond our imagination. It is beyond our expression of our uh, expression. So heaven is simply beyond our uh, ability to understand. Again, John, under the inspiration of the, of the Holy Spirit, valiantly tried to describe the, the indescribable, and he tried to express the inexpressible in chapter 21, 
that is today's text, where he talks about the new heaven and the new earth. If he goes on after chapter uh, verse 9, you can see the, the gates of a pearl and streets of gold. But even he falls short in his ability to picture heaven's glory and wonder. As a matter of fact, the glories of heaven far surpass and actually uh, 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 surpass our perception. Heaven is a reality unreachable to of our senses. We should know, we should know how one goes to heaven and believe in heaven by faith. What we have to look forward to as Christians is the reassured promise that finally, one day, we will be with our Lord, our Savior Christ Jesus for all eternity in heaven. After all, we will find heaven is a place where the Lord's prayers is fulfilled, where God's name is hallowed, his kingdom is come, and his will be done. Even though heaven is beyond our ability to comprehend one thing, we can be sure of it is that it will fulfill our greatest longings and our greatest desires. It will dazzle us with its beauty and it will be greater than anything we could imagine and could dream. It will be a place where love and joy will reign unspoiled. Indeed, heaven is a place God has prepared for you and for those who believe in him. So Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verses 2 and 3, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. That's what Jesus did, isn't it? He said, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Where he is, of course, is heaven. Your Savior, my Savior, and our Savior Christ Jesus went to heaven in order to prepare a place for you, a place for me, and a place for all of us. And according to his promise, he will come back here again. That's all about, isn't it, about the revelation. There is so much that we could be said about heaven. But firstly, heaven is not a fairy story, uh, a tale story, but it is real. John saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, according to verse 1. Some believe in heaven as an 
earthly paradise. Heaven is earthly paradise. That's exactly what Australian people think, isn't it? But the biblical truth is that the old, the old earth is gone. A new earth is a brand new creation. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, God says, God creates the heaven and earth. The same God will create the, uh, the new heaven and the new earth. That's why he said here, the heaven and the, the, and the earth are new. It's being again repeated in Isaiah chapter 65 and verse 17 to even verse 19. I'll read one passage for you. Isaiah chapter 50, uh, 65 verse 17 says, But behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. And the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem for rejoicing and her people for gladness. In verse 19 he said, I will also rejoice in heaven and be glad in my people. And there will be no longer be heard in her the voice of weeping and the sound of a cry. God created the world and he will create a new heaven and new earth for his people. Since the first creation was in the bondage of in, the, in bondage to decay due to sin. It has to be replaced. It will be replaced with the joy and removal of sorrows and suffering. There will be no more tears then. No pain, no sin, and no curse. God will turn our mourning into gladness. Our weeping into laughter, lavishing comfort, invading our grief with joy. Peace will reign not only between God and individuals, but also between him and all creation. God will prevail. The first and foremost important truth is that all will be made new. All will be made new. Of course, through God's grace, Jesus makes us new every day. It is, uh, it is newness that only our Savior Jesus can give. When we accept God's gift of salvation, we receive a, a makeover, especially uh, our uh, 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 Christian sisters will be quite happy to hear this. When you received God's gift of salvation, you have also received a new makeover. It is not a cosmetic makeover, like uh, some TV shows. I tried to remember the TV title, but I couldn't. Maybe if I'm wrong, please forgive me. But it says, 
extreme makeover or makeover in 10 days, something like that. Have you seen that kind of TV? Yes, good, thank you. Yeah. It's not that kind of a makeover. Eternal makeover we have received from God is not temporary, but permanent change. It is not a mere makeup of few spots on the body, but the whole body, inside and outside, intellect, emotion, heart and mind, everything will be made new. It is a perfect makeover of our whole being. We will be eventually given a new, resurrected, perfect body to live in heaven with God who is holy and holy. Truly, heaven is the real home of righteousness. It is a place of rightness. All the wrong things of the world will be made right. It will be a place where every, everything evil is absent and everything good is present. Everything sad will be gone. And only joy will exist. Everything disappointing will be disappear. And everything exciting will appear. Everything depressing will be gone. Everything hopeful will come. Everything violent, hateful will be gone. And everything born of love will be prevailed. Every unfaithfulness will be in the past and steady, fast loyalty and faithfulness will be present. Everything detestable will be gone and everything desirable will abide us all. Every sickness will be gone and a complete wholeness will take over our lives. Every struggle, frustration, and failure will be over, and only success will be possible. So, in verse 4, God says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. That is heaven. You and I will go. Where there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. It will be everything, everything will be perfect in, in heaven. Thus, John secondarily secondary, uh, uh, secondary characterized heaven as a holy city in verse 2 and a prepared city John chapter 14 we just read and a beautiful city as beautiful as a bride on her wedding day I just had a wedding yesterday I remember how beautiful the bride was I'm sure you were also the most beautiful bride on your wedding day, we will be like that. We will be the beautiful, the most beautiful bride when we in heaven with our Savior Christ Jesus. 
The most important thing about the city is that God dwells there with his people. Heaven will be the residence of God. The greatest reward of heaven will be God himself. Nothing we see or experience will be greater than the fact that we are with our God and see him face to face. So Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13 and 12, Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. In heaven, we will see our God face to face. How wonderful it will be to be in the presence of God where we will be perfectly know him and recognize that we are perfectly known and loved. So John wrote again in verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Biblically speaking, this is the plan of salvation. Salvation is God's presence and reign in the life of the believer. In Genesis, humankind was separated from God because of sin. The whole world, the whole the the whole of the Bible represents a story of redemption which is fulfilled through our Savior Christ on the cross. Then salvation begins right there. But the ultimate fruition of salvation is God dwelling with us fully in a brand new place. His holy city, the new Jerusalem, heaven. We will have no greater reward than being with our God, being with our wonderful God and seeing him face to face. Lastly, not everyone, but only those who are overcoming people will enter heaven. I'm sorry, this is sad, but that's true. Not everyone will go to heaven. Who are then they? According to 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 to 5, it said, All true believers, not merely churchgoers, but Genuine Christians are overcomers, and they are ones allowed to be with our God in heaven. So this promise is not all who believe in. Uh, uh, so this promise is that all who believe in Christ are the saints of God and the children of God. They are then defined by their spiritual destiny as citizens of heaven, according to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. If you believe in Christ, if you have accepted his free gift of salvation by faith, yes, you are the saints of God. You are the citizens of heaven. Yes, you have right to be in heaven by God's grace. Thus, we are not citizens of earth trying to get to heaven. 
but citizens of heaven making our way through this temporary world as if we are pilgrims. Look, for all true believers, all true Christians who have been transformed through faith in Christ, heaven is a truly wonderful place. Heaven is more than a comfort for believers. It is a promise. Heaven is indeed our final destination. Heaven is our final eternal home. We are going home. On the contrary, if you look at verse 8, verse 8 describes the people who were overcome by sin and would not trust the Lord. Their destiny would be the lake of fire. I'm sorry. Those who rejected the the offer of God's uh, 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 free gift of salvation will be thrown into the lake of fire. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the world consider the Christians as losers. But according to this passage, it is the unbelievers who are truly losers. Those who indulged in sin were polluted in mind, spirit, and body. The unbelieving, the vile, the murdered, the sexual immoral, those who practice magic art, the idolaters and all liars. These things are contemporary lifestyles apart from repentance. They are people headed in the wrong direction. Definitely without God's forgiveness, all would be in the lake of burning sulfur. Here is then a challenge. Do you Thirst for salvation and heaven. Are you longing for heaven? If so, there is no better than today to be rejoicing in Christ. And if we haven't had a taste of the, uh, the water, living water of salvation, it is day you must receive our Savior Christ Jesus, and start out on a brand new road. Jesus will make all things new, including you. Not only our new destination, but also the hope of heaven Jesus gives you right now. Without it, life will be very difficult at times. However, We do not use the hope of heaven as a means to escape the difficulties of our current life. It is the hope of what God has for us tomorrow that enables us to face today. No matter what happens around us, we will not be frightened, intimidated, and depressed or anxious. Why? We are longing for a better place, a heavenly one where, uh, which our God has prepared a city for us. When you and I enter 
the new heaven, God's holy city, we will say, this is the place. This is the place I have been longing for. I have been looking for all my life, though I never knew it fully till now. It will be a new earth which is restored and redeemed and the place we were meant to live. You and I will glorify God because you, will, you and I will discover how wonderful treasures and how wonderful place the heaven is. Brothers and sisters, we know that. The day is coming. The day our Savior is coming and inviting us to enter a new heaven and new earth. But it is not now yet. I don't know. But according to his word, he will come here again to judge the world and to vindicate those who remained faithful. So we do not lose heart but pray together, come, Lord, our Savior Christ Jesus. Amen.